um, music video and podcast, the place where our jokes come true. My name is Adam Fairholm, and you're listening to the Music Video Land podcast, brought to you by your good friends at Filmed Insert, Adam and Doug. I am Adam, and with me, as per usual, is Mr. Douglas Klinger of Boynton Beach, South Florida. Doug, how are you? I am super good, Adam. How are you? Also super good. It's been a a great, nice week. Yeah, nice week. Great week for Filmed Insert and for the world. Exactly, yeah. We like to kind of just go along when everybody else has a great great week. We also have one, too. It's also a great week because we have a really awesome interview on the podcast this week. This week we have Mr. Warren Fu, director slash editor, who we've both been wanting to talk to Warren for a while because we really enjoy uh, his music videos. He's done um, some of my favorites are... Uh, Bang 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 from Mark Ronson Uh, One of the funniest videos I've seen in a long time Everybody have a good time for The Darkness Um, As well as a music video for um, Oh, and Warren corrects me how to say it in the interview And I've already forgotten Derezd by Daft Punk Derezd Which was for the Tron Legacy a film by Disney, uh, which is also a great video. But he has a lot of really um, great stuff. So one of my form picks of the week must be The Feeling by Nero is in there. Runaways. It's, actually, it's actually my pick of the week, but that's cool. Oh, it was your pick of the week. Never mind. Uh, Runaways by The Killers, You Only Live Once by The Strokes. Just some really fantastic stuff. So we're going to talk to Warren uh, um, in the second half of the podcast. Check that out. Looking Definitely looking forward to that. Warren's an awesome guy. Well, since... Since we're talking to Warren Fu, who I agree is an awesome guy, um, and he kind of broke into the music video game um, by doing what uh, is billed as an alternate music video for the strokes you only live once. And um, because of that, I think that we should explore the world of other alternate music videos. How do you, how do you feel about that? I think that is a good idea. Yes, I, I forgot to mention that that in in the interview, Warren mentions that the first video he did for Strokes, "You Only Love Once," as you mentioned, was an alternate. They had already made a video, and then he made that uh, for the Strokes. So I, I think this is an important topic. We've touched upon it a few times in other podcasts, but it's um, I guess sometimes baffling or maybe confusing to people. I, I'd say I don't know if you'd agree that that. You know, there's a song and, you know, you go up to look up the music video and then you find out there's two versions. Um, And I think one of the most confusing things is that there's almost never an explanation of why there are two versions. I mean, have you ever seen any artist come out and say, by the way, we hated the first one or we just wanted to make two or anything? They always just put two out there. Yeah, sometimes you you hear some speculation. Um, Other times, you know, like, for example, when we had... Very early on in the podcast, we had the guys from Sin Labs on who built the Rube Goldberg machine for the This Too Shall Pass video um, for OK Go, which itself is an alternate music video. Um, and uh, they kind of got into a little bit about how, you know, they kind of chose that, you know, that song seemed to fit with them the best and how OK Go was kind of all right with them choosing, you know, using that song despite the fact that they had already. Uh, had had a music video featuring the Notre Dame marching band uh, with that song. I believe that that was the 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 situation. I haven't listened to that podcast in a while. Do do you recall more specifically, Adam, what was behind that one? That is a situation, I believe. And and actually, funny funnily enough, that the the first music video for this two shall pass with my alma mater's marching band, uh, Notre Dame marching band. Uh, was a live live video, um, which right. is this kind of a niche category where the actual performance of the song was live, although it was released as a, as a um, video for that song. So yeah, we we and um, we, we, I believe Isaac Ravishankara has had um, some experiences directing an uh, alternate video for the Ready Set, 
And you know, right. it's just uh, it's just here and there. And the, the thing is that it's not always. I think some people kind of assume that it's always a situation where, uh, you know, the band saw the first video and and didn't like it. Um, you know, it, that's definitely not always the case. No, it's 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 definitely easy to assume that. Or or I you know, I think uh, another example would be the Kid Cudi. Uh, Pursuit of Happiness music video, mm-hmm. where um, there was a Megaforce version of the video, and that and that is uh, kind of a high concept music video. It's it involves a lot of effects and like kind of a strange, you know, it, it really kind of matches the Kid Cudi's subject matter a lot. And then later on, I, I believe that the new version of the video, I think the Megaforce version came first but I'm not I'm not completely positive on that but other anyway there's a second version of that video where it's just like Kid Cudi and Drake at a party with balloons and it's like slow motion <laughs> and it's like a lot more like standard hip hop video and you know the assumption is that 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 version was made because it was more like a pop style music video that was easier to spread around and stuff but but yeah it's 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 rare. Um, it's rare that they'll say why, but a lot of times the the artists will embrace them both. It, it, like the OK Go, this too shall pass. They, it's not like they're disowning either of those. They're they're very unique videos on their own. Each of them, and, and each of them is well received. They they each have you know tens of millions of views on YouTube. So it's not like either of them is like a stepchild or anything like that. And there are some situations that are uh, special situations, I think, for for alternate music videos. And I, I guess I, I'm kind of stretching it to mean just songs with two music videos, let's say that. Um, so I, I, there's a few special cases that are a few examples that I'd like to mention. Um, and one of them is, I don't know if you remember the Katy Perry song, Thinking of You. Um, and actually, I never really heard of this song. Uh, I mean, I remember when that album came out, the two singles that I heard were um, I Kissed a Girl, obviously, and then Hot and Cold. But this was also a single. And, um, you know, the, the music video released uh, or initially surfaced was actually it looked like a pretty well done music video. It was Katy Perry in a, a white room. And, and uh, I don't know, it's difficult to explain. We'll link to it in the in the show notes. Um, but, uh, you know, you know it, it looked a little bit lower budget. Then, you know, by the time Katy Perry was, you know, Katy Perry in that 2008 era when her first album came out, uh, one of the boys, uh, you know, before that, she really, you know, wasn't famous at all. That was her first album. And, you know, when she exploded, you know, it was it was pretty much from going like zero to 60 in a few seconds. She really came onto the scene really fast. So, you know, this video was made at a time before her career really took off. And, you know, then it was being spread out there as, as a promotional uh, video for this song. And Perry kind of walked it back a little bit and said in an interview that um, it was never intended to be a commercial video, whatever that means. Um, and it, it was just a video that was, quote unquote, made by a friend. So take with that, take from that what you will. And it's not like a completely amateurish video. It's just not really in line with uh, Katy Perry's uh, um, later work. And then, you know, they created a, um, a you know, another video that came out in 2008 directed by Melina, uh, featuring Matt Dallas that, you know, got the premiere on, on, on Vivo. And I think it's got a, a 27 million views on Vivo. Sorry, I didn't get a premiere on, on Vivo, just is on Vivo. That's the one that's sort of the officially recognized video. So there are some instances where, you know, a video is already in the can maybe and you kind of, you know, it's time to release it and maybe it doesn't rep- still represent you. Yeah, it seems like when when there is an alternate video, it seems like uh, it's either the case of like an artist who didn't quite make it yet and then they hit it big and they're like, well, that song needs a better video now. Or, um, you know, maybe the artist went for something that the label is like okay this is fine but we also need uh you know drake and balloons so let's get that rolled out there i think another example of that of something similar like that happening is um the kanye west can't tell me nothing music video mm, uh yeah Oops, with, yeah we talked about it before that's, that's extensively like yeah with our boy zach galifianakis um uh directed by uh michael blyden who is uh writer and director on uh Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. Um, uh, that that's an example of it. Seems that Kanye West kind of just reached out personally to Zach and was like, "Let's make this, you know, make a crazy ass video for me." And 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 Zach obliged. 
and then it's it, it appears as if the label was like okay we got to do some you know more standard music video for this song as well or, or something like that it seems like that's the path that that case followed and that's it's, it's a tra- travesty though because the zach galifianakis video is so good it's and it matches the video so well you know in a way that's not it's not like a you know it's a comedic video but it's a really great video in its own right and the so video good. that is the um, other version is just such a standard hip hop music video that it just it just disappoints me. Um, and that's what leads me to believe that it was like really pushed by the label, or you know, instead of Kanye, because it doesn't even seem like you know, because Kanye is a creative guy, as popular as he is, he's a super creative guy, and his music videos are you know are known to be you know groundbreaking and and popular and not so standard, you know, from the very beginning and. Um, and uh, you know that uh, Zach Alvin, uh, the Zach Galifianakis video, because and and it's important to note that this is before Hangover, and it was before Zach Galifianakis was like as big as Will Ferrell is. You know what I mean? He he was uh, he wasn't a huge comedian when that music video came out too. He was more of an alternative guy, and I think that it's important to note that now. I think that if that music video came out now, the label would never tell them to change it. They would say, yeah, a hangover guy in a music video, bring it on. But yeah. back then, I think it was a different story. Now, this brings me to um, the sort of worst offender. I, I, I hate to use the word worst offender for this, but I'd say the king of the alternate music videos or having two music videos for a song happens to be one of my favorite bands, and that is U2. Um, they are they are re- do this very frequently. I can pull up many examples of videos that have two versions, seemingly just for no real reason. Um, like I said, it's very difficult to get information on why these things actually happened. But I'd like to cite two examples, and one of them is a unique example, and the other one is a uh, I think an interesting, weird, convoluted example. One of them is the video for stuck in, two videos for stuck in the moment you can't get out of. Um, and this was an interesting case where vi- these videos are billed as being four different markets. The American version, which is directed by Joseph Kahn, is a really awful. Both of these are awful music videos, but I, I but they're interesting examples. Um, it it kind of takes place around a fictional football game, and the guy like, sort of reliving this guy's moment of missing a big kick, you know, field goal. It's a horrible video. It even uh, features John Madden in the beginning, and all the like, all the players and teams are references, like stupid references to U2 stuff. So the one team's called the Flies, and one's called the Lemons after two U2 songs. Um, but as we know, that the only place really in the world that American style football is played is in America. So they uh, Kevin Godley, and this is, these are you know big name directors making these these two music videos. Kevin Godley made a version of Stuck in a Moment that is probably equally as awful. Um, for it's billed as the European version, um, where Bono is thrown out of a uh, a van repeatedly. This is the Elevation era of U2, where they made just some of the worst videos of their career, and I could go on and on about this, but uh, those are two of the worst. That is something you see. Um often as well when in the case of alternate music videos as, as an American version and a European version um, what's her name? Natasha Bedingfield I think um, has a couple examples of those. I know that Sophie Mueller uh, has directed a lot of European versions of, of music videos that also had American counterparts um, and I think one more thing that we should bring up when talking about alternate music videos is when um, a band does a shot for shot remake of a music video uh, ex- except with a different artist in there because of some controversy, controversy, and that is actually currently happening right now. And I think Adam, you're um, better to speak on that than I am. Uh, so why don't you? Yes, of course, the Flaming Lips uh, video con- controversy. This is actually really um, unique, and there's a few weird twists to this. So um, there's a lot of weird twists. To yeah, this. there's a. It's a strange story. So a few months ago, Erica Badu and the Flaming Lips, Flaming Lips, who are just a collaboration crazy, uh, got together with Erica Badu and recorded a cover of the first time I ever saw your face and decided to make a video for it. And what happened was it was so from a user's from a, a, a fan's perspective posted on Twitter 
on Vimeo, watched it, and it was Erica Badu's sister in a bathtub in front of a green screen. And, you know, there was nudity involved. There was these, she was covered in these sticky substances. Um, and it was, you know, pretty much par for the course, flaming lips. Sort of surreal, sort of gross. And then all of a sudden it was taken down. And Erica Badu is all in a tizzy about um, having her sister in this video. And, uh, you know, she's telling, claiming that the flaming lips, you know, tricked them, manipulated them. Um, that uh, the video... Uh, you know, is obscene, you know, just things like and this. she also There's... thought it was un- unfinished, right? Because she, it was a, in front of a green screen with, uh, but with no, it wasn't chromed out. It was just, they were in front of a green backdrop. Right. Well, Wayne Coyne of Flaming Lips, I believe, is the person who said, uh, oh, you know, we, we should never release that. That was a um, unfinished version. Um, you know, there which, was, there which... was people retracting things all over the place, so it's hard to kind of pin down what people were saying. And it gets even more convoluted then because of the new version of the video that they've now released. Right, so they went again and and re-recorded the song, of course, um, and with Amanda Palmer and uh, basically redid the video. But here's the thing. It still has the green screen. Yeah. So they didn't chroma key out anything, which I think might be a, a decision to, because, you know, there's there's uh, stills floating around all over the internet from the original video. I actually saw the video before they took it down. Um, and it, so it, it, it basically looks like they made a shot-for-shot shot remake of it. I, I, the substances are gone. There's not so many sticky yeah, substances. Yeah, it's just a, it's just regular water in the bathtub now. Right. Instead of like, what? Now you say sticky stubs, sticky substance. What is it supposed to be? It, blood and semen and whatever the hell else. Like it's just you're supposed to use your imagination, but it's red, goopy stuff and you know, like sticky white substance. Right. That is that what was right. going on right. in the original. Okay, just to clarify, just just so we can get the explicit tag. Exactly. Yeah, it was semen, penis semen. Um, <laughs> semen but, from a penis. Uh, yeah. So, so it's interesting because, yeah, maybe it's a nod to the last one. Oh yeah, definitely. Where, where you know, well, of course, the video itself is, but the fact that they didn't put anything in the chroma. Maybe they originally were planning on it in the with the Erica Badu version. Maybe they weren't. Um, but it is interesting. I mean, they they achieved what they wanted to achieve, I guess. Right. The uh, it became, you know, just as popular due to that original controversy this time around. Then it, you know what I mean? It, it they definitely benefited from that original Erica Badu controversy. It's it's sort of like the music video version, although not really, of um, Lord of the Rings, where Stuart Townsend was replaced by Viggo Mortensen after four days of shooting, because they realized he was. It was, you know, just wasn't wasn't right for the role. In this in this uh, thing, there's more of a controversy in Erica Badu and taking her sister out of it. Um, and uh, I would have liked to see the video, uh, the new video with a new actress, but the same Erica Badu version. I'm not really that much of a fan of the Amanda Palmer version, but I'm glad they kind of tied up this loose end with the um, with the music video. Right now, I yeah, have, I guess they they chose the right girl to embrace. I mean, Amanda Palmer is sometimes known as Amanda fucking Palmer. That is, like, <laughs> written on her Wikipedia page. So uh, I think that she, they definitely went with someone who was absolutely going to embrace this this new concept and uh, or that old concept, but actually doing it in that way. Um, and uh, so you don't like the you don't like the actual songs. What you're saying? That's I th- well, Erica Badu is as much as a weirdo as she is is a is a fantastic singer. Singer, but Amanda Palmer does a very good job. Um, yeah, and I guess I guess weirdo is subjective, but I I, I get what you're saying. Um, but anyway, I think it was a good talk on that subject. Good talk. Um, it's always good when we come together and have a good talk. I'll and have... people will never know that this was the alternate version of this conversation <laughs> that we had. <laughs> It was such a bad joke. But for right now, um, we are talking to Mr. Warren Fu, director slash editor of some really um, visually and uh, hilarious videos. Oh, actually, hilarious are is com- confined mainly to his video for Everybody Have a Good Time by the Darkness, which is, you know, there's funny videos that come out all the time, but I it's been a long time since I've laughed this hard at a video. Um, definitely check it out. Um, as we mentioned before, like videos like Bang 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 for Mark Ronson, um, Derez for Daft Puck, Runaways for the Killers, um, Hands for the Ting Tings, uh, is a really solid canon uh, and videography of 
of material and it's uh really interesting to talk to him so check it out everybody our interview with mr warren foo I'm a video, music video director. I'm living out in, based out in LA, and sometimes out in New York. Now you have a visual effects background. Well, not background. You worked at. You were the visual effects uh, art director for Industrial Light and Magic for a while. You worked on right uh, many productions that listeners will definitely be uh, familiar with, such as the Star Wars prequels. Um, so you have a really unique background in that sense, but you have one of the most interesting sort of origin stories of how you got into music videos. Am I correct? Immaculate in, in, conception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just seems like kind of like a, um, a, a dream for a lot of music video directors where you um, kind of send something out of the blue to the strokes. Do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically... Um uh yeah heard the song and um just uh you know idea came in my head for for a video and i and i just when i was driving i just kept thinking wow they should really make this video and then i thought i should really make this video and then <laughs> i basically just um spent a few days like um putting together a a pitch and i guess that's where um having some background at at uh Lucasfilm helped so um I didn't really know how music video pitches went but I'd done pitches for other types of things you know for commercial clients or for uh pitching uh looks t- for movies and stuff so I just kind of threw something together it was like a DVD and a written treatment and then I uh just submitted a cold turkey like FedEx did and um FedEx went to the label and FedEx went to the management and the uh the label at least they emailed back they said uh we don't accept um uh you know solicitations from uh from unknown directors or something something to that effect um but luckily the um the uh the management um for the strokes wrote back um, but strangely asking if I would design their website, which was <laughs> kind of funny because I never, I don't remember saying anything about designing websites. Um, but yeah. And how, did, how and how did that evolve from the well, website design offer into actually getting to do the video for your yeah, live I don't really know what was going on over there. I, I guess cause my presentation had a lot of visual stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, I definitely didn't. I actually hate designing websites. <laughs> I only done like one. I had only done one before that, so it definitely wasn't like I was like some kind of known web designer. Um, but uh, I, you know, I said, okay, well, it was it wasn't exactly what I was uh, pitching on, but I'm sure I'll do it. And then um, just through the process, you know, of, of working on the uh, doing the initial. Uh, pitches for the site. I met Julian, the lead singer, and then um, uh, we just kind of hit it off in terms of like uh, our taste and aesthetics and visuals and everything. And then after a while, I asked him, like, "Hey, did you ever see that music video treatment that I sent for the song?" And yeah, he's like, "Actually, he's like, no." And then like, um, uh, sure enough, like um, he's like, "Oh, but I'll check it out." And then. Uh, uh, think like maybe I don't know it's it's been a while so maybe like a week later uh, he called back and uh, when he was on tour and said uh it's like holy shit I never saw that thing let's uh we need to make it so um yeah basically even though they had already shot a video for it he still wanted to make an alternate version and uh actually uh, I had a friend that worked at this company called iMeme which was sort of like in the MySpace competitor era mm-hmm. of social media the 2007 uh, era of yeah <laughs> um anyway he uh he was a friend from college and uh I, I was at a bar with him i was like hey yeah i almost got this strokes video but you know they already did a, they already shot it 
the lead singer liked it, but oh well, I guess I won't make it. And then he's like, then my my friend was like, oh, you know, if you guys just promise to debut it on our our site, we'll uh, we'll fund it. So I think they gave us like 10k to to make it. And it's amazing that I mean that video looks so you know visually stunning, and it looks like it could have cost you know a hundred thousand dollars. You know, oh, thanks. Which, which you know brings me to another point that you know a lot of music video directors we, we talk to kind of want to get into film at some point, and mm-hmm. you know you started in film in you know in our direction moving towards and then got into music videos. What what, what is it about music videos that interested in you as an art form that was something you wanted to explore? It's it's funny because like it's it's kind of like a grass is always greener type <laughs> of thing where. Um, you work on a giant blockbuster film where, where you're kind of design. I was like a designer, so I would design things that would get funneled into like a giant machine or pipeline, and the original intent was kind of lost. You know, because you know, at the end of the day, it's the director's vision, and uh, I just got a little. I kind of convinced myself that I'd rather work on something smaller that was my own um, than, you know, work on a design for a big blockbuster where the, you know, the the original intent of what I had in mind is lost. So and there's not there's not really two sides of the uh, you know of of the pro- of production that are are different so different than a uh, you know music video production set and a that of a. Uh, you know, production like a like a Star Wars movie. Is there is there anything that you took with you when m- making the move from working on a big budget film into music videos? Was there anything that you you at least were able to carry over into this? Oh, yeah, into definitely the everything. I, I I'm I'm extremely grateful for the 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 experience I got from from learning from a company like that. I mean, because I was especially at that time, they still built. Uh, practical model sets at ILM and um, so I got to see how they shot some of those miniature sets and they shot they had you know stages where they'd shoot some of the green screen stuff and um, or shoot some of the uh, miniatures and um, so I got a little of everything I, I learned how to storyboard from from Lucasfilm um, even just kind of graphic design stuff, I, I just kind of picked up on along the way because I didn't I didn't go to art school for any of that stuff. It was just all kind of stuff I just would ask people how to do or or pick up just by by watching people. Um, so yeah, in that sense, like everything translated over. I mean, I mean there was still a lot of stuff to learn because I wasn't I was still you know a behind the scenes person and. And a lot of my time was spent illustrating behind a desk and not being on set. So uh, some of the first shoots I I was on, I pretended like I knew what I was doing when I actually didn't <laughs> for a lot of things. Um, and that workout, just, pretend, just pretending kind of filled it in as you went? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I remember specifically I shot this this kind of Fox movie promo thing for, for a kid's thing and Someone asked me if I wanted the the shot dirty or clean, and I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> Whether they, you know somebody is in the frame or out of the frame, but I just went, eh, "What do you think?" <laughs> and uh, you know, eventually you just kind of pick it up just by seeing what happens after. For those of not in the know, did you find out what dirty or clean meant? Yeah, basically because uh, the next time they wanted a shot, they wanted dirty or clean. I was like, "Oh, let's try clean this time." <laughs> <laughs> like oh okay, no one in the frame there, or yeah. no shoulder in the frame. Oh okay, okay that makes sense. <laughs> now now we know. Yeah, um, in your composition, if it's like a conversation between two people, uh, you know, if you're if you're it's a clean shot, if it's just the the subject that they're talking to, but if it, it's a dirty shot, then you're over the shoulder of of the other person. I wanted to ask you about you know your aesthetic you know, visually for your music video work, because there's a lot of variety in, you know, the subject matter, even the narrative style. Um, but you definitely, you know, uh, 
seem to be a fan of sort of the aesthetic of late late 70s or 80s, even in, you know, sort of the outward things like the No One's Better Sake Little Joy video, um, you know, all the way down to even, you know, things look like film, um, you know, even the titles will have that little bit of jumpiness to them yeah. when you get in film. Would you would you say that kind of accurately describes your, your visual style? Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess um, it's something I definitely don't want to be pigeonholed into but mm-hmm. it's definitely something i mean those those years are my wonder years so i feel like in the same way that maybe older generations of directors are kind of throwing stuff back to the 50s um i kind of throw stuff back to the the, the age where you know everything was so shiny and new and i was experiencing things for the first time so i think that you know uh just growing up on you know, those cartoons or TV shows or uh, seeing movies for the first time in the cinema during the 80s, you know, it just really kind of is an eye-opening moment. And, uh, yeah, and I guess there's a little bit of a nostalgia factor. And and part of it, too, is um, not necessarily the 70s or 80s, but even just stuff from the past. Uh, I appreciate the simplicity mm-hmm. of things, um, especially, like, if you look at advertising, um from the 60s and before they had Photoshop, uh, everything was done so, it just seemed like it was just more tasteful in a way. Um, I mean, there was definitely cheesy ads and kitschy ads back then, but also, but there's something about the way that they were carefully crafted and illustrated and their choices and colors that I kind of appreciated. I, I think it's a, it's a sense of restraint and, uh, uh, limited palettes and limited, uh, maybe maybe as limited colors they were able to print with or, or whatever. Um, but I just really just kind of appreciate uh, just the the sensibility of of the past, I guess, in some ways. And, and you talk about not not being pigeonholed or something like that. And I, I'd say one of the a great example of uh, a video that's that's kind of could stand on its own. and It's not so much like some of the ones in the past is the darkness mm-hmm. everybody have a good time video because it's you know it's definitely uh you know you you've explored some some comedy in some of the other videos but this is kind of the the first yeah, one that's yeah, like a full cool kind of, yeah narrative comedy arc that that kind of goes from start to finish it's like a very a comedy story do you, do you see comedy as something that you'll you'll start to explore more or is that something that really mainly existed in that one video no no i definitely uh love love comedy and um, I would I would love to do more. Actually, you know, there's so many different other. I, I have this 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 dream of doing like a nice. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say horror or scary thing, but I definitely have that side to me where you know, I, I keep a, a journal of the creepiest, weirdest, Lynchian nightmares that I have, and I keep thinking I want to turn it into either a video or a movie. So I definitely would like to explore a lot of different things, but comedy was definitely fun and scary at the same time because um i wasn't sure if it was funny <laughs> you know because like usually during pre-production for a video it's just like everyone's just like go 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 um and i had a skype conversation with the darkness regarding the video and um it's so funny because they're like they take they're they're definitely funny guys but they can keep a straight face at the same time so when we were coming up with ideas for that video, um, they were like, you know, because like we, we went through different animals, we were going to do monkeys, and then finally arrived at a bear, and then and we were just like <laughs> trying to seriously talk about how this stripper bear was going to solve the economic crisis, and they were just saying it so straight-faced, and I kept ducking out of the camera because I was crying, <laughs> dying of laughter, and I didn't understand how they could keep it so straight-faced. And at the same thing at the shoot, too. I mean, it was 3 a.m., and we get the stripper bear finally came out and just starts, the music starts blasting, and it was just sashaying around the room, and, and people were just, they, the actors looked confused because they were supposed to be. <laughs> um, but then I, they, I was laughing so hard, and I yelled, cut, and then everyone's like, all right, move on, next shot, what's the next shot? And I was like, God, does anyone else find this? extremely funny <laughs> um, and I turned around and my producer was just like completely straight faced and finally I looked over to one of the um, 
the grips holding one holding one of the lights up and he was tearing he had like streams of uh of tears and laughter coming down so i, I felt a little bit relieved that somebody else in the room actually thought it was funny there's the at the end of the video it's credited as you and the darkness as as writing the story so i take mm-hmm. it that the the main sort of concept uh came from them and you guys kind of worked together on that the main sort of concept came the, their original concept was to do they wanted to perform in front of a a room full of uh caged monkeys um just a whole room full of animals uh just just monkeys and then it was it was one of those kind of last minute things like we need the treatment in like in you know 24 hours cuz we got they're coming to town and they only have a small window to shoot and so you know my producers and I quickly looked into monkeys and you know that we found out they're a little too hard to get performance out of and sometimes you know there's all these safety issues you got to deal with so we started looking to animatronic monkeys and um uh the animatronic monkeys kind of had the uncanny valley thing where they just didn't look they looked slightly too real to be funny <laughs> they were just more scary if anything yeah a little distracting. So, yeah yeah so i was like oh bears are always funny and then uh so we just started the conversation like that and then yeah it was just a, the the initial idea was just a back and forth skype conversation that was just completely bonkers but you know it, the the band and i definitely had similar taste in 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 absurdity and uh basically off of that we you know after a 40 minute skype call we just i just kind of typed it all out and summarized it and tried to fit it together into an arc all the crazy stories uh story ideas but um yeah definitely the the sex scene at the end was a special <laughs> request from the, yeah, the lead singer He's like, can I can I shag the bear, and can there be like a a three foot rubber tongue that comes <laughs> out? We couldn't get the rubber tongue. It was just kind of one of those things that kind of slipped away during that's, preparation. Yeah, no, um, no pun intended. I was just gonna say slip. I'm sorry. That was <laughs> I should not have said. That was a bad one. Um, and that that's funny. I, I'm just curious. How does one look into monkeys? Um, yeah, there's just a bunch of. Um, I actually, you know, sometimes because I'm just kind of uh, obsessive that way. Like, even if my producer's on it, looking, researching it, I'll just Google stuff, and you know, you, <laughs> you just Google anything. Like, monkey suits, realistic, <laughs> Los Angeles. That doesn't work. Monkey suits, realistic, Orange County. And uh, yeah, you just keep keep clicking around until you find something, and then you find out all the stuff that you that you like. Your producers already researched and found out that it's you know 50 grand a day plus a puppeteer plus he's like <laughs> two puppeteers or whatever and there's all these restrictions so i was really happy with the bear suit though because um there we there was a few that came through that was that just looked like mascots like the ucla bruins looking hmm. thing and i was like that wouldn't be funny that would just be too too um too much like uh, Disneyland or something, and then uh, the super realistic ones you really couldn't. I'm, I originally wanted the most realistic looking bear possible, but those actually require maybe like two to four puppeteers and wouldn't be able to do a stripper dance. So yeah, this uh, seems like they'd be a little little bulky, a little hard to move around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we definitely got a great like break dancer slash salsa slash <laughs> stripper dancer guy and uh yeah, i basically sent him the i don't think we ever got it in the video but i sent him the robin video um you know that singer the she's a swedish singer the call your girlfriend oh. video yeah 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 there's this one move she does that i love <laughs> i love yeah i love that video where she she like struts forwards or backwards and then she like <laughs> Does the splits and then humps the ground. Does a flip into a ground hump. And I really wanted to do that on the on the conference room table, but <laughs> the table isn't very sturdy. So think- we'll put a link to that uh, in the show notes of that yeah. of that section of that clip because I know the exact one you're talking about. If you could create a GIF of that move, <laughs> <laughs> there may be one out there. You never know. It's a pretty sweet move. It sounds yeah. like there's definitely one in Adam's head already. So. Yeah, exactly. I'll figure, <laughs> I'll figure it out. 
Maybe you guys could get royalties from from Robin. It could it could say like buy the album now and have that. <laughs> have that buy the album from two years ago now. Um, <laughs> strut into backflip into ground hump. Now uh, we wanted to talk about the Daft Punk, um, and I think I'm pronouncing it right, Derezd video. Um, did you guys? Is there an official pronunciation for that? I think it's Derezd. Derezd. Okay. Doug and I were going back and forth. Um, yeah. And you know that's a unique situation because you know it is a, a, a Daft Punk video for a song off of the soundtrack. Um, which is in the, the the film is a Disney movie, um, and then you're also using you know visual elements. You know, for anybody who isn't <laughs> aware, Tron Legacy is a remake of the original Tron, and mm. in the music video, the, the aesthetic is more the original Tron than the new one, and a little bit of combination of both. I was just wondering, you know, when you work on a video like that, what the sort of how those moving parts work together, you know, the, the film company, the actual film, and then your relationship with Daft Punk. That was actually a really, really cool process because I, the first call I got was was from my uh, executive producer who said, you know, the first thing he said was like, Daft Punk wants, wants you to do a video for them. And I was like, holy shit, you know, like, <laughs> they even know who I am. Um, but I guess they had, they had, I think they had liked the Mark Ronson video um, for uh, Bang Bang Bang. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what kind of caught their attention. And then, uh, um, yeah, and then we just got on, I just got on the phone with their manager and eventually met the guys. And um, yeah, it was pretty much free reign. I think just because they're, there's such legends and such a uh, a group with with clout that uh, Disney pretty much let them do what they wanted. There was like one label, I think Disney type exec on set when we were shooting, and he was like, "I don't know, something about horses or something's happening today." And <laughs> he's like, "I don't know, but these guys think it's cool, so whatever." <laughs> so he really didn't know what he was paying for, but you know, they obviously trusted trusted their taste and they're a valuable part of uh, the the movie. And so it was a, a situation where Disney trusted Daft Punk and then they then yeah, and then they trusted, paid and they trusted you so much that you you basically had all the moving parts. Yeah, yeah, they it was surprisingly and because I respect the you know their work so much like in terms of music and the the stuff they've directed on their own. Um I was I was pretty flattered that they let me have pretty much free reign um they just because they they said they pretty much didn't want to hinder me from any any ideas that i might have had um and so uh they just said just you know whatever you want and and um and yeah that was a, that was a tough one though because i had like two days to think of an idea and i it was i remember pacing around my house a lot trying to think of something and the only parameter they did give me is they said we're we're big fans of the original uh, Tron, and um, obviously, you know, I'm sure if I did something with um, kangaroos or so, you know, or like yeah, clowns or something, then <laughs> Disney would have said something uh, that you know has to relate to the the marketing of the movie. But you know, since it it tied in, I mean, it obviously had to tie in to a certain degree, so. Well, you I, did have the Olivia Wilde cameo in there as well. Yeah, that was that was the that was uh, that was Daft Punk's idea because apparently she was um, I guess they had they had worked with her on set and uh, she was a fan of theirs and originally I think it was just going to be no helmet was taken off at the end and that was uh, that was their idea. They thought it would be nice to tie her, tie it into the. Um, the story of the film, and I wasn't going to argue with them with getting Olivia Wilde on set. <laughs> no, it's something that when Daft Punk wants to bring Olivia Wilde to your video, it's something you just kind of sit back and say, thumbs up to, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, of course, the, 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 the moment she arrives on set, I have like a, an, an egg bagel in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Mid-chew, and my producer taps me on the shoulder. This is Olivia Wilde, by the way. I'm like, <laughs> I just pretty much just ran away after that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, that's so one of my they, recurring well, nightmares. Yeah. Um, maybe that could be in your in your journal of uh, of spooky spooky things. You know, all these different you know horrific things, and then meeting Olivia Wilde and wiping egg bagel grease on your. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's definitely chapter one. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about budgets as well, because you mentioned kind of a ballpark budget for the only you only live once video, and mm-hmm. um, you know budgets is something that are kind of a, a hot topic in the music video industry land in terms of you know what is the norm and you know what different people are getting for different videos, and there's some of your videos that just look like such unbelievably high priced videos. Like I'm thinking of like the must be the feeling video. Um, yeah. For Nero, where you have a whole cityscape and you have all these different effects, um, could you speak to sort of you know w- what you're working with in terms of budgets, and if you are working with with lower budgets, how you kind of create that sort of higher budget feel? Yeah, that that one was. I would say about all my, all my videos, that might be the one where it, it it's. Probably the most bang for the buck. I think. Um, I think we we had fifty k for around fifty k. I think because I'm not sure what the the pounds translated into. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think we managed to to efficiently pull it off. Um, a lot of it is uh, carefully selecting the locations. Um, I, I, I scoured even 3 a.m. the night before the shoot. I did one more pass around L.A. to see if I had found every single possible futuristic-looking corner, street corner. <laughs> and, and, you know, the great thing is also Google uh, Maps. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I, I really wanted to find a really thin alley we could travel into. Um and um yeah just the magic of having a good producer just work constantly communicating with your producer on on what you can get and what you can't get and um you know uh i think it's knowing where to use a lot of smoke to haze things up in the background when you don't have a lot of production value and i think that's that's one of the advantages of that or one of the reasons why um some of the uh, videos have an 80s look sometimes. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, just throw a bunch of smoke there and we'll just give it like a, an 80s feel because they used a lot of smoke back then. Because, you know, you don't have to dress everything in the background. It just kind of obscures away and just put a few, bright blue light back there. And it, you know, it reads as something. Um, Is that what you were doing for the for the Runaways, the Killers video? Because there's, there's a lot of smoke in that one and, and backlights, things like that. Um, the smoke actually caused more trouble, I think, in that one because uh, it actually brightened the room. And we shot it in this giant airplane hangar in Santa Monica, which I wanted it to feel like not an airplane hangar. I wanted it to, to, to feel black. But there was all these, like, um, uh, you know, structural things around the, the hangar that caught the light. Um, so the smoke actually kind of hazed up the room and brought the, uh, the the stop up a little bit, and so it, that in that situation caused a little bit of uh, headache in terms of trying to create this kind of other world, mm-hmm. as opposed to like you just shot it in a hangar type of thing. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it is, um, and then then the Nero thing, it's just kind of finding uh, places to to efficiently composite or enhance because I figured it would be because they had the guys in the band the Nero band wanted uh, sent me all this like reference for these like (laughs) huge budget movies and future cityscapes and I was like wow there's no way we could do that but we could try shooting at the Staples Center and like you know enhancing stuff behind it and yeah, it's it. it uh, you could trick. You could do a lot of tricks. You know, just like shooting a still shot that doesn't require any roto, and then you know, just sliding it slightly and in post, so it feels like you're you have this tracking shot across um, giant billboards. You know, just little things like that to trick the view- viewer into thinking they're watching something that was uh, shot really extensively. 
Well, definitely has that uh, that feeling to it. Um, and a lot of uh, tears and 4 a.m. nights were. <laughs> I remember I was working on that back to back with Hiro Mirai on St. Vincent. Oh, really? Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I was working. I, I did the effects at his studio, uh, his effects post house, Bonnie Bray. And uh, yeah, we were both just, our deadlines were around the same time. And it would be like 6 a.m., and everyone else had left, and we were, the two directors were still tweaking effects on their videos because <laughs> you know it's all the all the glory and all the blame <laughs> I said. Is, and it was that the that was a cheerleader video yeah yeah and you know I've, I've heard you or read in an interview that you mentioned for a music video is a quote you, know, you you said uh the only assignment is to make it cool um yeah and so do you think you know when you're up you know like 6 a.m working on those things is you know is that really what the the end goal is to make something that you know looks cool to make it you know promote the artist's work in a in a cool way basically? I think at that point, by the end, <laughs> just trying to save your ass and not have it be the most embarrassing thing you've ever done. Um, yeah, what is that quote about? Um, films are never finished; they're yanked out of your hands. I don't I don't think I've ever had uh, a shoot last with spare time that we're not running and gunning mm-hmm. by the end or delivering the post uh, or delivering the final video where we're not, it's not me driving at 5 a.m. to ADS, this file transfer <laughs> place, and like with one slipper on and sweatpants and uh, <laughs> uh, bloodshot eyes. And finally, I wanted to ask you about... Um most entertaining item we came across when we Google your name, which is uh, fuck yeah, warnfu.tumblr.com. Are you, are you aware of this Tumblr? <laughs> One of my buddies sent that to me, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just very curious about the, because we'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it appears to be someone who's very interested in your work. And as the title uh, indicates it is a positive interest in your work. Do you have any idea where this came from? No, I I would imagine it would. Back in the day, it might have been a Star Wars fan that would do something like that. But I think those fans have long forgotten about me. So. <laughs> well, you do have a Wikipedia page, which is which is big. <laughs> is Wikipedia a big? Is it is it a big site or? Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it's basically the reference for Star Wars information. The go-to place. Um, it is the go-to place, yeah. You can find every little piece of trivia on there. So, yeah, you got a whole you got a whole deal on there. Um, now, I have a feeling that's probably a Strokes fan that I would imagine that <laughs> that that created that site. Well, does it probably does feel good to have, or I would think to have a Tumblr dedicated to your awesomeness that you don't know where it came from. It's not like your mom. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a big deal, um, probably for Warren that he. This is this is this is an interview where in his intro we did not say the word Star Wars. That is true. Yeah, um, yeah it's funny that people tend to get pigeonholed, you know, by things, um, especially with interviews. We try to stray away from those. Well, we knew we knew him for his music video work first, actually, and then we went back. Um, and we're like, oh, wow, look at him. He did this other cool stuff also. Fuck yeah, Warren Fu. Now, should I redo that and mention stuff? No, no, I don't think so. I don't think that you should. I think that it's, I think it's appropriate. I think Warren Fu is, should definitely be known in his own right as a, as a, as a director. His his stuff is, is really that strong. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh and we did we didn't we didn't interview him for Star Wars at all. It had nothing to do with why he was on. Um, I, yeah, I mean, are you are you that big of a Star Wars fan? My wife has never seen Star Wars. Uh, I like him. I like them. I think I, <laughs> I like him. I, I like, like him. Mr. Star Wars. I like that Star Wars guy. I, no, I, I like him. <laughs> those movies. Uh, I guess just nostalgically, I'm a little bit more of a fan of the originals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, that first. Oh, yeah, well, hold on, hold on. 
no offense to anybody who worked on the originals. Okay, fine. Yes, I like those way better. Yeah. No offense to anyone who worked on the originals. No, no, yeah. No, no, yeah, no offense to anybody who worked on the prequels. Sorry, but the prequels yeah, yeah, yeah. are. Is, well, we can't even get. There's a lot to talk about. There's, there. there's, there's. We have we have no time <laughs> to get into Star Wars talk. But uh, but um, no, the the first three, I like them. I like them. You know, but I don't like. I'm not. I'm not a huge sci-fi guy. I guess. Yeah, me neither. So, um, or comic book guy, whatever. Uh, anyway, what I am a guy of is is uh, picks of the week, and I'm a guy of your picks of the week. So I want you to go first. So my pick of the week is uh, you may have seen Doug's blog po- or or Twitter post or whatever. I, I don't know. We we talked. We post a little bit about Genesis by Grimes. Um, ever since we had uh, Emily Kaibach on the show and saw the video for Oblivion, we've been definitely um, interested in Grimes and her career. I think she's really in- an interesting artist, and I saw her just a few weeks ago making her uh, national American TV debut on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, which was a lot of fun, and she played the song Genesis, um, which is my pick of the week. Now, it's interesting because... Uh, you know, we're seeing the um, building up of of an of an artist, right? We're seeing the uh, go, basically going from completely unknown and trying to build an image. So, one of the primary ways to do that is through music videos. So, originally, um, Oblivion, which Emily Kaibach directed, and which is you know we think is a really fantastic video, and got Grimes a lot of attention as well as Emily a lot of attention. Um, Grimes, it's it's a sort of a it's a reality based video, right? She's out in public, she's doing things, <clears throat> and then we had the video for Night Music, which I feel was a little bit of a toe in the water of Grimes' new image, which is directed by John Londano, and then so sort of uh, Genesis, I think, can be seen as Grimes uh, planting her foot firmly in where she wants to be seen um, as an artist. And, you know, I think they're, you know, I, I don't think it's the right decision, but I think it's an interesting decision. And that is, you know, way out there. Uh, this video is directed by her, so she um, obviously decided that she wanted to take the reins on this. And the concept of it is, uh, you know, there are, Grimes has this posse of people, I guess is the best way to describe them, mostly females. And the sort of star of this posse is this woman dressed with long um, pink hair and, and this shiny armor that only covers you know certain parts of her body and has this uh, you know very um, uh, explicit not explicit but uh, you know noticeable makeup on. Anyway, watch the video. It's one of those videos where you know you'll fall asleep listening to somebody describe it because it's so conceptual. Um, but it really is definitely out there. I mean, we got Grime, we, Grimes, you know, in a limo riding around with a snake. Um, she's doing things with swords. There's a lot of body movements. The, you know, she's got a sword with the beach with a hat that says "pussy" on it. Um, I don't know if that's a reference to Pussy Riot. I should look that up. But um, you know, it, it's definitely interesting to see um, an artist so self-consciously um, building an image of themselves in videos. And you know, it, it seems to me that you know the image of Grimes is sort of a normal um, person. Who you might walk up on the to on the street and have a conversation with, a la the Oblivion video. You know, in the Oblivion video, we see her interacting with people. Uh, in this, in much of in a very Lady Gaga way, she's very unapproachable. Um, she doesn't seem like a real person. The same thing with her Jimmy Fallon appearance. Um, you know, even though it's a small stage, even though it's you know twelve thirty, you know one one thirty a.m. at night on American television. Um, you know, she had dancers and she you know was was completely. Uh, you know, made up for this role. So that's my pick of the week. Um, you know, I'm not really sure it's the right direction for Grimes personally, but I think it's a really interesting video and a really well done video. So that's my pick. Genesis by Grimes, directed by Grimes. Uh, Brooke Candy is the name of that lady in the Grimes video with the armor and the hair. Brooke Candy. She's got the. You have to check it out. It's it's a. It, 
It's one of those things where you look at the thumbnail and you immediately know what video it is, which is which is always a difficult thing to do. So kudos to them to pulling that off. Um, kudos is a good word to use for that. Uh, I, I like that video. I, you know, Oblivion will forever be my favorite Grimes video. I think, um, but I, I definitely I definitely like that that Grimes video um, more so than the Night Music one. That's what it's called, right? Night Music. It is called night music. Yes, all one word. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call that a miss. Um, no offense to Mr. John Londano. Uh, yeah, I think if this one would have, uh, I think if this one would have followed Oblivion, that uh, she would have, she may have a little bit more momentum at this point. I think she might have lost a little bit of her music video momentum. I was really excited about every Grimes video that was gonna come out after Oblivion. And uh, I still am, but not not so much so, I think. What do you uh, got for us? What do I got? Yeah, I, what do I got? I got a video. It's a pick. Um, tell us about it. Tell us about it. And uh, I changed my pick of the week um, last minute. And by last minute, I mean I'm changing it right now. Because uh, I realized I don't know how to pronounce the name of the director of my previous music video. So instead... I'm picking this music video, which was my reserve music video for this. Full disclosure to you guys, still love it a lot. <laughs> uh, Nicki Minaj, I am your leader. Uh, this is a big. Director. This is a big one this week. This is a big video. Uh, Colin Tilly is our director for this video, uh, and this video features Rick Ross and Cameron, who I haven't heard from in a while, and it's great to see him back. And it's also great to see him not wearing a giant uh, pink mink coat because that's ridiculous and Cameron's normal clothes in this video which I'm also a fan of uh, two people not wearing a lot of clothes Nicki Minaj and Rick Ross in this music video uh, not uncommon for either of them and uh, it was a welcome sight for both Nicki Minaj very pretty lady and uh, so when she doesn't wear a lot of clothes it's visually appealing Rick Ross is a giant man with, with lots of tattoos when he doesn't wear much clothes it's uh, visually interesting so um, for both of those reasons, it is a positive. A lot of people are describing it as kind of like Tim Burton influence, like a Tim Burton style music video. And I think that that's a little... Um, yeah, I don't see that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I... I think it's just a little easy. Like anyone who sees like a music video that kind of like creates its own world is a little weird and might have like a little scariness to it. It's like, that's a Tim Burton 80s Tim Burton, maybe. Yeah, but not yeah, like Tim Burton Batman or something. But either way, it's uh, it's I don't I don't see Tim Burton so much. Uh, but I I still think it's a, a cool video. I, I like a lot of the camera effects that are used in it and stuff. I think, um, I think it could be very easy to kind of to do a music video with some people like like Rick Ross and Nicki Minaj and kind of just point the camera at them and let them be themselves, and you can kind of get away with that and. Um, you know, you don't often see a director really making their their presence known. Um, with huge pop artists like this, you know, a lot of times they're just kind of going along with the pop artist image. And I think uh, Colin Tilly is pretty good at at kind of putting his putting himself in the video as well. So that's really cool. And uh, so check this video out. It's a good one. Doug Klinger pick of the week. I'm your leader, Nicki Minaj, featuring Rick Ross and Killer Cameron. Colin Tilly, yeah, that's he's a interesting director. Done a lot of Chris Brown videos, a few Justin Bieber videos as well. Um, a lot of Chris Brown videos. Uh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I think this video is fantastic. I think this this he could be picking up the hype Williams mantle a little bit with, with, with if he keeps up work like this. I, I like him a lot. There's this, you know there's a lot of directors that this level of artists will always go to uh you know Nicki minaj lil wayne level of an artist rick ross level and and uh colin tilly is definitely starting to be among those names and and uh yeah it's he's definitely making some cool stuff well um great show that was a great show i enjoyed that show thoroughly thank you very much to warren Fu for uh joining us that was great it's um, the first time you've ever we've ever thanked anyone at this well, point well we're in the show. professional now yeah, you're okay. right, and and we do appreciate him doing it. So thanks. Definitely. Uh, so make sure to follow us on Filmed Insert. I made a Joe uh, a Twitter at Filmed Insert, and if you want the scoop on new music videos, we have a new Twitter account at New Filmed Ins- or sorry at New Music Video. We couldn't get new music videos. We have at New Music Video. Um, 
and uh, as we add new music videos, if they're at, if they uh, premiered in the last three days, they'll be automatically tweeted to that account. So it's a good way to keep up on uh, new music videos and what's being added to the site. Um, and as well, I was going to mention something else. As you do, I'm just going to say this: follow that account, y'all. You should do it. It's a great one. It's a great follow. And a few episodes ago, I made the joke that we were having transcriptions available. We do actually have transcriptions of some interviews available, starting with <laughs> Matt Alonzo. Um, so watch out for those if you go to uh, the podcast page, uh, fieldinstitute.com slash podcast, uh, and you go to a specific episode, there'll be a link to a transcript if there is one available. So check that out. Um, and until next time, uh, enjoy your music videos.